Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14 One powerful piece of evidence that the Bible is the Word of God is just how incredibly consistent it is. Despite being compiled over many centuries and by dozens of authors, the consistency of its message testifies to a single organizing mind, a single author, and that author is God himself. Another important clue lies in the Bible's prophetic nature, in that it predicts with certainty events that happened centuries after it was originally written. There are countless prophecies that have been fulfilled, and these are all validated by historical records, something that no other book can boast of because prophecy is the mark of God as sovereign over reality. One significant segment of biblical prophecy relates to the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, who would save humanity from sin and death and destroy evil once and for all. He is literally the hero of the story, and in some sense the entire Bible is an unfolding prophetic narrative of his crucial arrival in history. The popular verse in Isaiah mentioning the virgin birth is one example among many others that predict the details of Jesus' birth, life, suffering, and return in glory. But within Isaiah 7 verse 14, there is something very profound that connects to the entire overarching narrative of the Bible, and that is the name Emmanuel. This name means God with us, and it encompasses the entirety of what the Bible is trying to convey. From Genesis to Revelation, the message is that God is with us, and because of that, we have the peace beyond understanding that the trials of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory which is on the horizon when all things are fulfilled. In the Bible, names were used to describe the character of something or someone, and sometimes someone was given a name or called by a name in order to describe who they were and not necessarily as an actual literal naming. For example, in Revelation 17, we read about the final iteration of the Antichrist power on the earth. It is represented by a woman that sits on seven hills, and her, quote, name is Mystery Babylon, mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Her name is also written on her forehead, which further cements the idea that this is talking about the identity of this power rather than its actual real name. The same principle can be applied to the Messiah. We know his real name, Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew, but Christ has been given many names in Scripture. Just a few chapters after the prophecy of the virgin birth, in Isaiah 9, verse 6, we read the following. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here, several names are attributed to Christ, and they all have to do with who he is. He is the source of all wisdom, which makes him the Wonderful Counselor. He is also God, which is why the titles of Mighty God and Everlasting Father are attributed to him. This isn't, of course, to say that he is the Father, but rather that he is God and equal with God and can be worshipped as such, just as John 1 clearly describes. Lastly, he is called the Prince of Peace. And we know that Christ said in John 16, verse 33, that he has overcome the world so that we too can overcome it through him and find the peace that is beyond understanding. So with this in mind, we now turn back to Isaiah 7.14 and to the name Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. There is so much encompassed in this name that it truly is astounding. And yet again, proves the infinite mind behind the story we call life and the book that we call the Bible. There are three distinct meanings to take from the name Emmanuel, and they deal with every period of time in history. Number one is the Incarnation. From the very first book of the Bible, we see the narrative of the Gospel begin. In Genesis 3 verse 15, right after the fall of man, God promises that he will bring forth a Savior that will defeat evil and save humanity. This Messiah will come into human history because he will be born through the seed of the woman. And for the rest of the Bible, until we get to the New Testament, that is what every single book points to in one way or another, the anticipated birth of Jesus Christ. The Incarnation is a foundational teaching in Christianity because God had to take on the likeness of human flesh and become sin in our place so that he could be the propitiation or the representative payment for the debt that we owed God. If God was not fully human, as many heresies and sects have claimed over the last 2,000 years, then the atonement could not have happened and we are still under the burden of the law with no hope of salvation from a just and holy God. Yet the mystery of the Incarnation is that while in the form and nature of a human being, Jesus also remained God. Many have stumbled over this as well, but the Bible is very clear if we are just honest with his testimony. Jesus was accused of blasphemy at least five times, and blasphemy specifically means making yourself equal to God or claiming to forgive sins, which only God can do. This was the reason he was crucified. So to deny that Jesus claimed to be God and to make himself equal with God is actually to deny history. Thus, the first meaning of God with us is revealed in the mystery of the Incarnation. The Incarnation is not the Spirit of God possessing a body, like demons possess people, but rather a completely unique event in history where God displayed his power as the creator and the source of life. It is a mystery how Jesus was both God and man, but it is so so that we can appreciate him rather than trying to understand him. God came down in human form to be with his creation. He took on the limitations of a dying body and lived as a homeless teacher. He dined with the lowest of society. He healed the sick, laughed, had friends, and probably lived a normal childhood before his ministry began, all while remaining the omniscient, all-powerful creator who upholds everything by his words every single moment. While Mary was breastfeeding him as an infant, he was upholding her life in the life of Joseph and of every animal around them. While he was being crucified, the most painful and horrendous torture anyone can go through, he was consciously upholding the life of his torturers so that you and I might be saved. God was with us in human form, and that alone will blow our feeble human minds for the rest of eternity. Number two is the anticipation. In the final sentence of the Gospel of Matthew, Christ sends the apostles out on the Great Commission to spread the good news and reassures them that he will be with them until the end of the age. In the Gospel of John and prior to his ascension into heaven, Christ reminds the apostles that he will send the Holy Spirit as the Comforter and the Advocate, the one who will convict them of being righteous because he is leaving and will be with them no more. That's found in John 16, verse 8. Many people do not realize the significance of this very important verse because today the thinking is that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. This requires nuance lest we miss a very important point. 
Because we have new hearts and new desires as believers, we will naturally be more aware of sin and of things that we used to do, which we no longer find a place for in our lives. When Christ says that the Holy Spirit will convict of righteousness, what does he mean exactly? The context is that he is leaving, and so he is giving the apostles reassurance of their salvation. Just imagine being one of the apostles and having gone through the whirlwind of emotions, of realizing that God was with you, then seeing him crucified and losing all hope, and then he comes back from the dead but tells you that he has to leave shortly. Jesus knows what his disciples have gone through and makes a point of reminding them that one of the Holy Spirit's roles will be to convict, or remind, them of righteousness, that is, that they are saved and will not lose their relationship to him. This important point is echoed in Ephesians 1 verse 14, where we are told that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. God does not give guarantees that you can lose because of your incompetence as a sinful human being. Otherwise, nobody would ever get saved. Think about it. On the contrary, God gives guarantees because it is He that is doing the work. With this in mind, we now have a second meaning for Emmanuel that God is with us during this life and all of its slings and arrows, no matter what. Ever since the cross, we have been in the, quote, last days. These last days are the last period of history before Christ's return where he destroys evil, renews creation, and resurrects and renews believers for eternity. This is a transition period, and it has seen some of the greatest evil and bloodshed in history because the devil knows his time is up. The Bible prophesies of these things in the books of Daniel and Revelation. And the point is that despite all of these horrible acts of the enemy, we are reassured over and over again that God is with us. He is with us to give us strength to endure, and he is with us to provide for our needs. He is with us until the end of the age, and that end comes when he returns in glory to usher in eternity. Number three is the resurrection. The Bible begins with mankind and God in paradise and ends in exactly the same way. In Revelation 21 verse 3, an angel sounds a trumpet and declares that the dwelling place of God is with man forevermore. This is such good news, and it is the ultimate hope that Christianity offers. A renewed creation, renewed bodies, and eternal life in paradise with the Creator's presence forever in our midst. Christianity is not just good advice on how to deal with life or one belief among many other equal beliefs that provide spiritual benefits. Rather, Christianity is the truth in a world that is currently governed by the forces of darkness who want nothing but to deceive and destroy every human being and separate them from God. Christianity also offers a very real and tangible hope, a hope that we will live and enjoy creation as it was meant to be enjoyed by having incorruptible bodies through the resurrection. These things fly in the face of a culture that is bombarded with atheism, reincarnation, New Age philosophy, relativism, spiritism, occultism, and hedonism. Indeed, the scriptures say that the cross is foolishness to those who need it the most. That's in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. And certainly, we can all look back and see how this irony played out in our own lives. Yet, this is the ultimate destination of history. It is unavoidable. Jesus will return. And personally, I believe we're in that final generation because Bible prophecy testifies to this fact. God is with us, and God will be with us forever. This is more sure than the rising of the sun. 
which means that the only thing that matters in life is whether we are on the right side of history and this final meaning of Emmanuel is fulfilled. The name Emmanuel means God is with us, and it reveals profound truths of who God is and what he does in history. It shows us the gospel that was predicted from the very beginning of time, that God would become man and take the sins of the world upon his shoulders. It also reminds us that in the interim between this massive event and his return, that he is with us through his Holy Spirit and will always provide both materially and spiritually. Lastly, it reminds us of our blessed hope, the thing which all of history is being pulled to, which is the return of Christ and the presence of God on earth forever. To be part of this amazing outcome, we must only believe. Do you believe that Emmanuel truly means God is with us? Do you believe that Jesus came in the flesh and paid the price that you owed to God? Do you trust that Christ is with you because he is God and God always provides? Do you believe that he will return, just like he said he would, and reward those who had faith with incorruptible bodies and a new creation to enjoy? There is much that goes into a name, and certainly Emmanuel is the ultimate example. Have faith, because God is indeed with us.